0: Welcome to This Conscious Life with Emineh and Paul Rushton. In this modern world, where we're relentlessly plugged in, yet increasingly disconnected, perpetually doing, yet so rarely just being, processing overwhelming amounts of information, yet still searching for the truth, it's time to come up for air. Here, within this community, We share stories, rituals, and recipes for a beautifully humble but plentiful life, and we intersperse these with the pilgrimages we take to visit those who have taught us profoundly powerful things about humankind. By sharing our stories, we deepen our connections and remind ourselves of all that unites rather than divides us. From holistic wisdom to slow, sustainable lifestyles, spiritual nourishment to conscious parenting, this is your weekly Conscious Living Guide, here to inspire and illuminate, connect and nurture, just as nature intended. Welcome to episode 4 of This Conscious Life. This episode takes uh, quite insightful and incisive look into the powers and energies of spring. And when you live in the UK, as most of our listeners do presently, um, you never quite know what you're going to get in spring. You wake up one morning and it's bright sunshine and blue skies, and the very next day it's pouring with rain and completely clouded over. So What Ayurveda understands beautifully is that we don't live by the season, we live by the moment and we take each moment as it comes and we adjust accordingly. Well-being in Ayurveda is a series of very intuitive adjustments where we feel what we feel and we respond accordingly. I'd like to inspire us all with a beautiful quote from the Bhagavad Gita, which is spoken by Lord Krishna. The words are, I am the soul in the body, the mind in the senses, the eagle among birds, the lion among animals. Among all the trees, I am the sacred Bodhi tree. And of the seasons, I am spring. So the significance of spring as being a true sort of ruler and leader of seasons comes through very strongly there. And Dr. Vassant uh he refers to spring as the king of seasons. This is because so much can change. If you think about winter's darkness and depths and stillness, and then all of the new life that bursts so exuberantly into being the very next month. You know, the power of spring is extraordinary. And we're most supported at this time of year to change ourselves, to change spiritually, emotionally, and physically to shed, cleanse, clear, to innovate, energize, vitalize the body again after it might have felt slow and sluggish through winter. It doesn't necessarily always feel that way, but I think for many of us we really feel that sort of kiss of pro- you know promise and um potential as spring arrives and the sun starts to starts to caress our skin again and our eyes imbibe that light and we start to breathe a little differently and with this shift comes a real promise of once again blossoming and re-blooming and it's a truly magical time of year. As we come out of winter, for many of us, we come out of it with an excess of kapha. Um, So in the second episode of this podcast I talked about the doshas and how the five elements of our universe and of all existence, how they manifest themselves in in our bodies. Kapha energy is is earth and water and it presents itself in our bodies as heaviness and dampness and often this is the, the dampness that builds up over the course of the winter, where it's been darker, where it's been um, cooler and where it's been wetter. That Build up in our systems too. You know, for many people, uh, they come into spring with quite chesty, with a build up of mucus, um, and conditions that relate to an excess of phlegm and mucus can can really can really be most prominent now. Spring often begins at a, a point of, of Kapha. We've had it recently, actually. Lots of the typically British inclement weather. You know, lots of rain. And that raises carfa a great deal. So if we come into this season with an excess of carfa, and then we get quite a lot of rainy weather, carfa will really persist and will continue to rise. So we really have to look to counterbalance that. We don't want to be walking around feeling heavy feeling lethargic and feeling that cold dampness in our in our system it's very unhelpful um and it's often the cause of our of our coughs and our colds and our respiratory tract infections so we really want to get that dampness moving we want to shift it before it results in in illness you know we have we have the the imbalance is present but if we address the imbalance then it won't end up. Be, you know it won't manifest as a symptom or, or you know or an illness or um anything we need to to then medicate ourselves for so we need to act early the qualities of spring are said to be you know sort of moist uh, and there's a warmth coming through that we've not had before um vasant Lad beautifully describes how nature melts the snow and the ice and the the water starts to stream away we get sort of little rivulets of water that run off Um, and we can think about the body in a similar way where things start to liquefy and they start to stream so a streaming nose is is a common one but also um, allergies can start to begin at this time of year so eyes might be streaming too um, so this 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 sort of liquefied idea, we want to want to warm the body from within, so that we can evaporate off this this liquid, um, and so that we don't feel feel so damp um, inside and you know feel those effects externally. So we shift it with warmth and with pungency, with spice, and with naturally bitter and astringent tastes too we really want to stoke the digestive fire. If the body feels sluggish after winter, that's a sign that our Agni, which is our metabolic fire and the internal warmth um, of 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 our digestive system, may be dwindling. So we really, you know, we need to get quite inventive and think of ways to refuel them. And if we think about things that we can naturally uh, begin to add into our spring meals. There are lots of naturally cleansing foods that come into season, and this is is obviously no surprise. Um, We are always supported when we eat seasonally. Nature will always produce the things that help keep us in balance. So if we look around us at the moment, we can see the nettles, fennel, wild garlic, lemons, spring greens, dandelion flowers, dandelion flowers, you know, having them in a tea, actually um, cooking with them, dandelion, you know, I think all parts of the dandelion flower are edible and they have a naturally cleansing effect. Lettuce, which, you know, all spring greens, and again, if it's damp and cold, we cook them, we eat them, asparagus and artichoke, these are all, recommended they all have a natural gentle bitterness and astringency which is very useful for shifting kapha we also do well at this time to eat foods that are just that bit lighter a bit more easily digested when we eat heavier foods we raise the heaviness in our systems which also raises kapha we want to do the opposite we want to counterbalance kapha with things that are very easily digested that don't, don't sap our already dwindling digestive fire and metabolic fire. So we want to support ourselves as much as we can. So things in Ayurveda, your grains and your pulses um, are really, you know, they're, they're the mainstay, they're the staples of our daily food it's a good idea to soak them, um, clean them well, sort of activate them to a degree. We we soak, if we're going to make dal the next day, we'll soak the split peas before, we'll soak our rice and then we'll rinse them, rinse them off before cooking. Um, and we found that to be, to be useful. So things such as yellow split peas, your red lentils, Buckwheat is wonderful. Barley, all of these things reduce carfa, And they're also, um, when they're well prepared, they're they're very easily digestible as well. Paul's been making incredible, um, like beautifully delicious, aromatic, zingy soups. Um, We love a minestrone. The girls, it's hilarious actually. It did take us a while to get to a point where the girls weren't, put off by bowls of food that were just filled with lots of different herbs vegetables pulses you know there is a transition when you move away from the simpler textures um of of you know baby food which we made ourselves but you know we would sort of blend or we would mash and then you get to a point where you can just fill a bowl and it's full of leaves and lentils and you know, half a dozen different herbs all floating around in it and the girls just tuck in with gusto. Oh, incredibly satisfying to see it. And really just a testament, I suppose, to Paul's cooking because it it just tastes delicious. And he's been doing these, minis- just mi- a minestrone, but adapting it each time. And he'll sort of go out with the girls, they'll just pluck herbs from the garden. He did one last week, which was just it had so many herbs in it. There was mint, dried mint and fresh. There was thyme, oregano. There was chives, rosemary, parsley, bay. Yeah, bay leaves were in there. There was some sage, and then it's bolstered uh, with nettles, with chard, with kale. Um, the beautiful, sweet, tender tops of the broccoli, and um, and the the pea shoots as well. Actually, we've got peas growing. Growing up, one side of the shed in the garden, and the leaves and the pea tops are just beautiful, um, and just all of that was added to this really fragrant stock, which was just made with leeks, a little bit of garlic, uh, the dried mint, some sea salt, passata, um, and lots and lots of red lentils to give it to give it some um, to give it some thickness and so it would be a bit more satiating um we add in a handful of pasta too if the girls want a heartier meal if we fancy a heartier meal we d- we use all different types of pasta red lentil pasta brown rice pasta we use organic whole wheat um and i have gluten-free every now and again just so that i know that I'm not sort of consuming the same thing every day or we just dunk in big chunks of sourdough you know it's just a great spring meal because you're putting in all of your seasonal herbs and you're getting this naturally naturally cleansing and bolstering meal other things we start to introduce in spring I mean Paul and I have come out for winter pretty well this year actually I think because we had more time this year to to just listen to what our bodies needed. I wasn't commuting. Um, my days were a bit shorter and we just managed to organize ourselves a lot better. So, touch wood, we haven't come through winter with illness or had any of the spring colds or build-ups. But what's very effective is if you if you feel quite heavy and you feel that the gut's a bit um a bit backed up and you feel that things aren't clearing as effectively as you'd like them to. There's a wonderful Ayurvedic remedy called Trifala, which you just mix with hot water and you drink before bed each night. It's a a mix of three different Ayurvedic herbs um, and it's very gentle, um, but it helps the colon to cleanse and you wake up and it promotes healthy elimination in the morning. Um, And unlike things like um, your sort of linseeds and your psyllium, which are very, you know, everything, all of these kind of fibre-rich things are very recommended in the West. And of course they have their place, but if you've been constipated for a while, you think about how you would clear a pipe, you know, in your kitchen, and you wouldn't put lots of dry, rough material down there. You'd want, you'd need something that got things moving through, and so you need something that's quite lubricating. So Ayurveda is very good again at looking at looking at what's going to balance the imbalance, um, and Triphala is is wonderful for, for people who who do struggle to sort of eliminate the day's waste. Um, there are two other, actually, yeah, there are two other Ayurvedic herbal remedies recommended um, when Kapha is quite imbalanced in spring. Punarnava, which is um, more commonly known as uh, Boravia, so it's um, that's spelled B-O-E-R-H-A-V-I-A, and uh, the Ayurvedic remedy uh, Punarnava is P-U-N-A-R-N-A-V-A, um, is is recommended by Ayurvedic doctors for anything relating to the kidneys or the urinary tract. It's very very useful for infections there, but also helping the kidneys naturally detoxify and um and clear. It's naturally diuretic, so again, you know, if you think about, you know, its natural action, it's helping to clear the excess water and dampness, um, which is very helpful. There's also tricatu, which is a blend of um, two peppers. It's a black pepper and a long pepper, I I believe, um, and ginger. And again, it's very, very good for, for sluggish digestion. It really wakes up the stomach and the agni. I said earlier about um, looking to counterbalance the heaviness of kapha by keeping things lighter. And it, I realise it's a divisive one, but in Ayurveda, dairy, um, and we're talking... Um, mostly about yogurt and and cheeses, um, they really do raise the dampness of the body. Um, we've noticed with our children, and Paul and I are are very much plant based in, in in what we choose to eat. But we've always wanted our children to make their own choices, and we do notice, particularly with our youngest, who already where carfa is highest with her because she's that bit younger and children are naturally kapha um if she has a pot of yogurt um at school or you know if she if she has sort of i don't know cheese on toast or something the next day she's much more likely to have a runny nose um it it re- it does raise it does raise kapha i think lots of people are In the West, are also waking up to the fact that you know, if you are prone to being quite mucusy or quite phlegmy, that dairy products aren't necessarily very helpful there. And it's and it is good that people are starting to make that association. Um, For a very long time, I don't think people necessarily made the link between the food they were eating and the and then the symptoms they were they were seeing or dealing with, and um, certainly western medicine has been slow to make make those links um so so yeah just to be aware on very cold days rainy days damp days it might be a day that you choose to go lighter on the dairy and you choose to you know to eat more food that's just warming that's always fresh whole and seasonal you would hope as in so far as that's possible for you And to be light, easily digestible, greens are wonderful. I wouldn't ever have them raw. um, In spring, I need a lot more heat in the cosmos. I need, I need the sun to be stronger. I need there to be more warmth in my body before I get to a point where I know I can start eating raw foods and I'm not going to raise carfa. So for me, it's soups rather than salads, and it's lightly spiced foods rather than. Rather than actually overly salty, overly sour, or overly sweet foods, those three tastes—sweet, sour, and salty—really raise carfa again. So they're just something to bear in mind. So all that I've spoken of so far has really related to carfa being out of balance, which often happens in in during an English spring. But um, as I also said at the beginning, every day has to be read in its own way. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we had some much hotter, brighter days in the UK. It was completely unseasonal weather. Um, we, you know, having, having days that were up in the high 20s in early spring is, is quite bonkers. But I won't get into climate change here, but um, we certainly will in the future. Uh, we have no choice. Um, but with days such as that, where you're starting to feel the heat, and it really feels more like midsummer, it's dry and very, very warm. Even though you are in spring, the day itself has the characteristics of summer. So so pitta would naturally be raised, that's the element of fire, and you would just, it's very, very obvious, you shed layers, you start to sweat more, You you might get... Redder in the face, you might actually start to crave your salads and want to cool down. You might have the first ice cream of the year. So, you know, we don't take, we don't take the day within the season. You know, we don't, we don't, um, we don't make our decisions based on where that day sits on the calendar. We simply take each day one step at a time and on those hot days you know i did enjoy more cooling foods and i found that you know that i was really craving more crunch and zest and zing um and i had i did have a couple of seasonal salads actually we pulled some things up in the garden and it felt really good we had a spring potato salad with lots of greens um lots of herbs and it was exactly what we wanted you I know when mean, you just you crave it and you don't doubt it you know that you know that it's what you want and it's good for you but the weather very shortly afterwards shifted back to dampness and coolness again we got rains the weather dropped it dropped it, ten, it dropped 10 degrees in the space of a week so it shot up and then shot back down again um and, and my body was no longer interested in the salads and the green the greens and the uh, the raw foods and the cooling foods i was craving my my, um, my chai and my cacao again and uh, my soups and the spice I wanted to to use warm oil to massage my skin and I wanted to I wanted to root out my warmest socks again so you know don't put that coat away yet we we do need to respond day by day and just stop ourselves from rushing ahead all of the time because you know nothing in nature is ever cut and dry it's all about ebb and flow In Ayurveda, we also recommend raw honey. It has many uses, often mixed with herbs. It's it's a type of medicine. Um, It's beautiful at transporting the properties of herbs into our bodies. But its natural sweetness is also naturally heating. So it's really useful for dispelling damp. Interestingly, and I read this a couple of weeks ago and I was working on um, a feature for a magazine. It, for a long time, people have have um, contested whether or not honey and sugar are metabolised differently. And they've sort of said, particularly with conditions such as diabetes, that there's no real, you know, taking honey off the spoon or taking sugar off the spoon won't, there's nothing really to, um, to differentiate them. There's no real benefit to having honey rather than sugar. But a really robust um, review in 2008 Found that raw honey actually helped to stabilize blood sugar levels, and it really lowered the inflammatory markers in the body. So it's interesting. It's always interesting when these studies studies come out and they enter mainstream consciousness, because it's also, I suppose, you know, for someone who's studied Ayurveda for so long and lived it for so long, it's always very heartening when you see these little. Um, sort of baby steps towards acceptance. You know, for 5,000 years, Ayurveda has said that a spoonful of raw honey is wonderful at balancing blood sugar. And if you're feeling a bit hungry between meals, but you don't want to eat again, because you don't want to impede the digestion of the meal you ate before, or, you know, indeed interfere with the building of your appetite for your next meal, that just having a bit of honey off a spoon is a good way to satisfy without um without spiking blood sugar, making you feel shaky, or as though you need to eat even more. So that's an interesting one, I think. Honey's very, very good at this time of year. Do please, if you can, look for raw honey. Honey loses almost all of its nutritional benefits, almost all of its magic, with all of its. You know, it's innumerable phytonutrients and vitamins and minerals and and nat- just its natural chemistry is, is extraordinary. And it loses almost all of that when it's heated to be pasteurised and preserved. So very, very sadly and frustratingly, most of the honey you would buy in the supermarket will have been heat treated. And it is really akin to just putting liquid sugar onto your bread because you don't, it's not, it doesn't have the nutritional profile that it should. Raw honey, which thankfully is more and more readily available. We, you know, we live in Kent and we buy, there is raw honey available in the supermarket. Um, It's often in a plastic container, which, you know, has its question marks around it too with regards plastic and leaching. Um, But from farm shops, from farmer's markets, even from nas- like little National Trust places near us, from the health food shops. We have two health food shops in close to me where I live in Kent. All of these do sell raw honey. There are also wonderful online subscriptions now for raw honey where you can sign up and support a farm that's local to you and have honey delivered monthly, which is a beautiful thing to do so if you enjoy honey and why wouldn't you it's it's nectar it's delicious you know we go through gosh I think we go through a jar every two or three weeks I would I would really advise you to seek out a raw source so that you get all of the natural magical marvellous goodness of it with every bite so other spring practices and sort of energies to be aware of We've talked a lot about the food and um, shifting the excess of katha. There are lots of other lifestyle practices that we can introduce. That's, uh, the one that just pops into to my mind immediately is the breath of fire. So it's it's commonly practiced in vinyasa yoga where we heat up, you know, we heat up the core of the body, and you take short, powerful breaths in and out you know, into the abdomen and puff the abdomen out quite forcibly and quickly and it really heats up the body at the core. It's very it really it's wonderful at lowering Kartha and pranayama so any technique that helps you extend your breath and and again if you think about the word pranayama prana is life force or energy so you're extending your your life and your life force by association. these things are wonderful you know when we when we breathe we we move and we shift things and we create we create life and and oxygen you know we we stoke our energy we feed our cells up we clear our minds you know truly this is the breath of life so it's paying more attention to how we breathe and taking time to to practice, to adopt a, a breathing practice is is really helpful. Meditation as well, in spring, you know, it has a place in our home every day, but in spring, and if you think you're coming out of winter and you're shaking off winter's, winter's heaviness and winter's shadows, and in winter as well, there's that really, uh, you know, that prolonged period of quite deep rumination. And when you commit to a regular meditation practice in spring it's you know it's it's like spring cleaning it's it's the way that you would polish up and clean your windows to allow the sunlight to pour in without impediment you do the same when you meditate you clear your headspace you know you clear away the extraneous thoughts and the things that get in the way and the the mental clutter and then you let the sunlight rush in and that's when you think more clearly and you actually you think more positively and it's a beautiful practice if you've not not meditated before not tried it before it's it's a lovely thing to try in spring i find that resolutions i wouldn't even dream of making a resolution in january you know, all I'm concerned with in January is keeping my children healthy, um, bringing light into our days, because again, the days are dark and long and cold, um, and wanting to just nourish and feed myself as much as I possibly can. So there are fires to be lit and warm drinks to be drunk and and steaming bowls to be eaten. And I don't want to start anything new in January, so I really save my resolutions and my intentions for spring, and making an intention to meditate that little bit more feels very natural at this time of year. With yoga too, we can look to shake off the things that that bind our roots, um, you know, keep us kind of rooted in the earth and a bit weighed down, yeah, think of it like bindweed, actually, um, which sort of where we're knotted into the soil, and it can make us feel quite leaden and quite lethargic. So you know, Carfa is is the earth element, and to counterbalance it, it's we we need more air. You know, Ayurveda can really be that literal. It often is that literal because we're just talking about natural opposites and we know what they are. We say to a child, what's the opposite of the sun? And they say the moon. What's the opposite of summer? And they say winter, hot and cold. They know. We all know. We seem to think it's a bit more complicated than it needs to be. So when Kapha is out of balance and we have rather too much of it in our systems, we seek out air. We want to break free. We need to move more. We need to spread our wings, and it really, you know, it really can be that simple. We walk more briskly, climb hills, get get closer to the sky, jump. <laughs> um, all of these things shake off kapha. They lower kapha and they raise they, they raise vata, which it, which naturally counterbalances kapha. It's 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 beautifully simple and with asana what's quite helpful actually when you want to wake up your body you need to start from the roots you know you don't want to try and wake up wake up the top half of the body before you've uprooted the bottom in a way you know you need to start from the ground up with everything And a pose like chair pose, for instance, which really increases circulation, you sort of squat down and then the legs start to tremble as they activate. And you can, you know, they really can tremble really vigorously to the point where your whole body's shaking, wonderful, you know, shaking yourself awake, you're coming alive. And, and again, you know, the heaviness as they tremble is then replaced by the light that you experience afterwards once you straighten up once you shake the legs off once you walk there's a nimbleness to the step which has come from from you activating that part of your body again and waking it up sun salutations are also a fantastic thing to do i mean always they're glorious in spring we have the sun we see the sun again, the days are longer, we have brighter mornings, so the very act of rising and moving to greet the sun, you know, it feels, it feels so life-affirming, and it's playful, and it's, it just feels like a naturally spring-perfect practice, and, you know, honestly, most of all, just opening up and awakening each of our senses to what the natural world around us is doing. That too is how we awaken ourselves to the season. So today, as I record this, it's quite, it's actually quite grey. It's dry and still but grey. But there was a good breeze, and there was a little bit of sunshine in the morning, so I thought it was a good idea to hang out the washing. <laughs> and I went out there, and like every day I do this. It doesn't change. There's always something new to see. And my eyes feasted. It was extraordinary. You know, we have, we have these wildflowers that just keep popping up across the entire garden, as we've been scattering seeds for months. And we we planted some at the at the tail end of autumn. We've planted some at the beginning of spring. Um, bulbs went in. Well, Paul was responsible for that. I'm not entirely sure when he put the bulbs in, but he's very <laughs> I spotted these flowers the other day and I said to Paul, Oh my goodness, have you seen these flowers? It's how glorious that these flowers come up every single year. What a gift. And I said, it's an extraordinary that they do that. And he said, you you know I plant the bulbs, right? <laughs> and I I actually it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm out there planting too. I get it. But there's this beautiful rhythm to things, you know, where you are out there but you're pu- you're plant you know you're doing something blind. You're just doing it in blind hope. You don't know what will arrive, what will enter the world. And I'm not always fully aware of what he's doing out there because, bless him, he's out there doing a lot all the time. But we've been given um, so many packets of seeds, actually, this year. I think more and more brands are sort of, you know, when you buy natural and organic, and they're sort of encouraging us to plant flowers which really support our natural pollinators, we've been, we've, we have sort of came back from our summer festivals and have had various um, various packs of seeds sent to us by by different people. And we've just been scattering them left, right, and centre. So now we've got a lawn that's scattered with wildflowers. They're all along the borders. They're around the this, you know the bases of the trees. They've, it's just beautiful. And I spotted these these bluebells, which I thought weren't bluebells because they weren't blue. They were a deep, rich purple. I didn't even know they could ar- could arrive into the world in in such a such a shade. But they, but they do. And I was sort of looking just looking around at everything and I found these this beautiful coral root, which are these sort of open, smiling purple flowers again, and they've got this delicate veining in them. Then there are the wood anemones because there are pockets of shade in our tiny little garden where not much sun hits, but there are so many beautiful wildflowers, forest flowers, you know, that that love the shade, They, they grow where there's a big canopy above them and the sun won't penetrate very often and I found some wood sorrel, I just kept going and in the end I actually came in and got my flower identification books and I just sat out there and just wanted to identify everything and honestly, you know, the way it feeds the senses in a way that all of our best food feeds our senses you know with color and texture and scent I really I stepped back from it all and I knew I'd come in and record this episode just a testament to all of these little miracles of spring that bring their hope and their beauty and their truth you know into even the tiniest of gardens To listen to more episodes, subscribe at iTunes and to learn more about living a more conscious life, visit us at thisconsciouslife.co. Thank you for listening.